from Minnesota, and welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore in for Sue, who's with her family on this glorious, absolutely glorious Saturday. Stan, I don't think a lot of people are listening to radio today. Am I supposed to say that on radio? They're always listening. They're always listening. Okay, because they can listen when they're out and about. That's right. Yeah, and they can also listen to the uh, podcast. In the first hour, my producer, Stan Poggle, Sue's producer, he also produces my occasional podcast, Gilmore and Guests, mentioned that the iHeartRadio app is excellent for finding your favorite podcasts and then being alerted to new content. Is that right, Stan? That is correct. So you download that on your iPhone or Apple phone or whatever it's called. Um, I'm not too much into technology, but go to whatever place you get your apps. Search iHeartRadio, you download that, search Gilmore and Guest, search Twin Cities News Talk, search my show, Outdoor Adventures, which is next. Yay! And you click the follow button, and it'll tell you when there's new content up. So you don't have to do anything. It basically informs you. Outstanding. Thanks for that, Stan. Yeah, it really is a gorgeous day, and as I say on Twitter sometimes, banal weather tweet, but uh, I was in Spain during most of the cold weather in April, made it home in time for the weekend blizzard, which was weird. Uh, I don't think people needed to lose their minds quite to the degree that they did, but I get it. Um, oddly enough, ladies and gentlemen, when I was in Barcelona on my last day, in the morning I went to uh, a beautiful uh, tourist attraction uh, called Guell Park. It features the work of Barcelona's world-famous architect, uh, Antoni Gaudi. And I ran into Senate Minority Leader, New York Senator Chuck Schumer. Did you know that, Stan? I did not know. I you ran into out with the uh, popular people. I, well, it was sort of weird. I walked past this man and a woman next to him, and then a younger, like adult child next to the middle woman. And I did a double take. I turned around, and his wife made eye contact with me, and she just did a gentle nod, like, "Yes, it really is Chuck Schumer," which is was completely endearing. I kind of had a crush on Mrs. Schumer because at one point when I was talking to the senator, I didn't monopolize his time. Two or three minutes, completely civil. People probably thought it was a... You Instead know, of going up and shaking his hand, I can imagine you. Why did you... Why were you for this? Why were you for that? Why didn't you yeah, do this? Why I, did I, you... I, you know, I, I, I didn't do the cross-examination. <laughs> you know, he looked like any other American in some sweatshirt and, you know, khakis and tennis shoes and, you know... Um, we had good taste in vacation spots, I guess. You were weren't you? Look well, at you. Right, Look right. at that tear I, out of I, your I, eye. I, uh, I live. Wow. Yeah. There's a certain house member from Woodbury who lives to have her picture taken with any Urzat celebrity that's in town. Don't get between her and a camera. Okay. Yeah, that's not me. Uh, it was very nice. I simply introduced myself from St. Paul and, and said, you know, it was nice running into you and First thing um, out of his mouth was, what do you think of Trump? And I said, not tired. And I had introduced myself and I said, we, we don't share similar politics, but I wanted to, I wanted to say hello. So he, he knew I wasn't a, a Bolshevik. And the next thing was, what about his lies? Trump's a liar. What do you think about his lies? How can he keep getting away with his lies? Something like that. I mean, in that moment... Stanley, the emperor was living rent-free in Chuck Schumer's head. And I simply said, well, Senator, I'm old enough to have lived through Bill Clinton. Not the same. Not the same. It's not at all the same. 
Well, by this time, his wife was patting him on the outside of his left thigh. <laughs> and he said it was completely charming. <laughs> How many times has this woman been in such a situation, right? I mean, whether it's a wife or a husband, the spouses of politicians, you know. We should have a reality TV show of them or something or a, a docudrama. They're probably the real heroines and her- heroes. Uh, and, and so when he was patted by his wife, he said, well, I'm being told to, to calm down, to chill out. And, Smart man. Yeah. Uh, well, good wife. And, you know, it was completely civil. You know, he was getting a little bent, but I'm used to people getting bent and staying calm, cool, and collected because you don't want to match their bentness. Um, and, and besides, I, it was still a kick in the head uh, to have run into him in the first instant. I took a picture of him and his wife and his daughter and put it out on Twitter. Somebody said, well, why don't you take a selfie? Because I don't do selfies. I hate people who take selfies. Well, I don't hate them. I just dislike the sort of look at me, look at me. Um, it's it's terribly interesting, though, because it seemed to me, and I could be overreading this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that the minority leader was trying to find a hook with which he could separate Trump from his voters. Now, Rush Limbaugh says this all the time, mine is not a new or original thought, but it's still worth repeating. And this this is actually a segue into a couple of issues that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, one is the Senate race in Minnesota. The other is the gubernatorial race. And then the third is the House Intelligence Committee and the release of its report utterly, totally, thoroughly, completely, comprehensively exonerating Donald Trump and Donald Trump's campaign anything to do with Russian collusion. Uh, And I'll speak to those in in order. Um, I did tell Senator Schumer, I said, I I have good news for your team. I think the Democrats will take both Senate seats. And I'm afraid that's the case. I I don't understand what's going on uh, in the race against Tina Flint-Smith. Karen Housley is a, a fine candidate, a fine woman. I don't see much evidence of the campaign. I don't know if it's still too early, given that Tina was just recently appointed, and she's up for re-election in November. So it's not a normal six-year cycle, historically, for what it's worth. In states that have the relatively infrequent opportunity to vote for two federal senators in a fall election, they pick them from the same party. Well, if we're talking about Minnesota, what does that tell you? Uh, Jim Newberger, God bless him, is running against Senator for Life Amy Klobuchar. So if we already have one that's pretty much a given being reelected, do you think that the Minnesota electorate will split their ballot, so to speak, that's not technically correct, and go for Karin Housley? I would like to believe that, but I don't think that's the case. And that's why I told Senator Schumer that he's going to keep two Senate seats from Minnesota. Minnesota Republicans don't like a heavy lift. There aren't any immediate rewards. Um, They can join campaigns because they'd rather join a campaign and lose and have the money and the connections that come from that than take a risk, think outside the box, and really go to town. And that's why I think you're going to have Tina Smith and Amy Klobuchar returned 
to the Senate in November. It doesn't have to be this way, particularly because Tina Smith is running far to the left. I get her emails, I watch her, I follow. Her Twitter account is absolute cultural Marxism. It borders sometimes on the unhinged. It is lockstep with the most liberal Democrat that you can think of. And she's far to the left, believe it or not, of Amy Klobuchar. That, it seems to me, is an opportunity, an opportunity for Karen, Karen Housley and her campaign to point out that Tina Smith is the one who's out of touch with Minnesotans. Minnesotans, if to the extent that they're liberal, probably aren't that far left. In fact, I know they aren't. And, of course, not all Minnesotans are liberal. We have them concentrated in the Twin Cities. It's like a zoo or the Star Wars bar scene sometimes. But if we want to win, we have to do something different. And I'll talk about that after this break. You've been listening to The Sue Jeffers Show on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. And welcome back to The Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore, substituting for Sue who's probably out having fun. You have Yoko owner bump, bumper music, much to my producer Stan Poggle's amazement. Uh, he said before the second hour started, to me, not on air, you're a strange man. And I thought I'd been called worse. Um, it's just my little experiment because people think of Yoko Ono as always doing that shrieky stuff, which she does. I don't get it tedious and a little bit goes a long way but she has all this other stuff and what actually has happened in her latter career after the assassination of john lennon is that she's done a lot of things and then other younger groups have taken her music and they've done all these remixes and they have done these dance versions and you know i'm not exactly doing the dance club scene at my age uh but i have followed and you know i guess for i don't know most of the 90s the most pop, some of the most popular music to dance to in those uh, overpriced, desperate dance clubs were remixes of Yoko Ono songs. Go figure. It's a great country, isn't it? Um, before the break, I was talking about running into Senator Chuck Schumer in Barcelona and that I had told the senator I thought the Democrats would keep both Senate races. Um, I don't know what it's going to take for us to mount a serious challenge um, we seem to be unable to fund the races um, in any significant manner. Um, I know Karen Housley and Jim Newberger are doing their best. I'm not faulting them. I'm trying to speak to all of us who vote for Republicans for Senate, federal Senate offices and, and other offices, of course. And, and I'm trying to understand why those seem to be always out of reach. I don't have an easy pat answer. Easy pat answers are usually suspect because they're easy and pat. But we don't even have a discussion about why we sort of axiomatically fail every six years. Um, I know Norm Coleman was the exception. Uh, that took some intervention, as I recall, from the vice president and then Governor Pawlenty. And six years later, Norm Coleman couldn't beat Al Franken. That's that's kind of pathetic, people, that we, we couldn't beat Al Franken. And six years later, we couldn't beat him again. So what's it going to take? Uh, I, I don't know. If you have any suggestions or ideas or comments, you can call in at 651-989-5855. Um, 
it would be an interesting discussion for people in the party and the donor class uh, to talk about. Uh, speaking of the donor class, that's something we also tend not to talk about. Who are these people that fund certain interests and what are they expecting to get in return? Um, it's usually under the gloss of some sort of fake grassroots support or uh, some faux authenticity uh, designed to fool us rather than to see uh, the interests that are pulling the strings. And the governor's race certainly gives one illustration of that. We'll see if it's successful. Uh, if it is, we'll know in August when we have a primary. I don't think it's certain that former Governor Tim Pawlenty won't try for the endorsement. Personally, I, I hope he does. I, I think it would be good. If he won the endorsement, all the problems are solved. We come out unified in June. We come unified, come out of Duluth unified, and we have all that time to go against the DFL candidate. Because whether it's Rebecca Otto or Aaron Murphy, or I think, you know, the conventional wisdom popular favorite is Tim Walz, former congressman from CD1. They're, they're fungible. I mean, yes, there are some distinctions, and primaries tend to over-magnify those distinctions and differences. But from where we sit, they're pretty much all birds of a squish feather. And we can't afford to have a Democrat governor, ladies and gentlemen, Minnesota. And... Um, I did ask Governor Plenty to call in, and he was unable to. But I wanted to make the overture. I said uh, five, six, seven minutes, straight-up introduction, and no questions from me. I've written a couple of hard articles on, on him, and I get it. Um, and if there was some suspicion or uh, a degree of distrust, completely understandable. Last weekend, Sue had a caller that was very interesting I think he was saying he was for Jeff Johnson or perhaps uh, Mary uh, Giuliani Stevens or someone. And then he said, but if Governor Pawlenty wins in August, I'm all in. And Sue said, I'm not there yet. Well, I am. I am. I'm not never Pawlenty. And I'm never going to be. If the Republican voters in Minnesota in August say, eh, we've looked at it. And for whatever reason, we're going to not go with the endorsed candidate, assuming uh, Mr. Pawlenty doesn't either doesn't you know contest vigorously in Duluth or or loses, and we're going to go with uh, Tim Pawlenty. Well, then he's our guy, isn't he? Am I missing something? I mean, I've I've asked friends this week. <laughs> uh, am I simpleton? I can hear people saying yes, uh, except I'm not a simpleton. This is how it works. We. We have primaries for our presidential candidates. We saw that play out, which was, admitted, hilarious and fascinating and and uh, hair-curling all at the same time, um, ending up with President Trump as our nominee. We then had, from July to November, especially in Minnesota, because we have the dumbest Republicans in the nation. Oh, and by the way, I was actually able to share that with Senator Chuck Schumer, my assessment. I said, I'm not very popular among a lot of Minnesota Republicans. Why is that? I said, because I call them the dumbest in the nation. Took everything you had not to break into a, a, a grin because that would be bad form. But I was able to tell him that. And I don't say this to be a jerk or mean or, or anything else. Um, it's because I think it's it's the case. We have Mike on the line who would like to talk about Republican voters. That's a large subject, but let's have it. At, let's have at it. Mike, welcome to the Sue Jeffers Show. Good 
afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling in. Yes. Um, I guess I'd really like to address, you know, you know, you're talking about Republican voters, but you have to look at the brand. And I'll be a little coarse here. The Republican brand sucks. And all you have to do is go back and look at when Ryan and, and Obama was in, they never stopped the guy. They let the guy have everything he wanted. They just rolled over and showed, showed uh, him their bellies. And Republican doesn't mean conservative or liberty-minded anymore. That's, that's true. That's true. So if you're not going to be something really different, just lukewarm Democrats, why show up? I think, Mike, you, you raised an interesting point. I'd like to ask you a question. You, you I've, I have identified something that I've, I've talked and written about for, for a while, which is that sort of uniparty um, affect that we get. Um, both parties have sold out the working class of any ethnicity in America. They've hollowed out our country, and Trump was the antidote to that. But in Minnesota, Mike, what do you think, because you've given the national example of Ryan and President Obama, in Minnesota, what's what's your thought with respect to the Republican brand as we're about to do uh, conventions in June with both parties through the summer and then the you know the race through the fall to the November election? How do how do you think Republicans in Minnesota are perceived? What's their brand? You know, I don't know if I can actually speak to that, but what I I can tell you what I would get behind and what I think more traditional Republican voters would get behind is a Republicanism that the type of which Jason Lewis espouses. Constitutionally based, liberty-minded, free markets. That's something people can get excited about. I, I would agree. Um, I, I wrote that after the election of Donald Trump as president, uh, Jason Lewis being elected from Minnesota's 2nd Congressional District was the second, you know, happiest experience of, of last November or of November 8th, 2016. Um, I think he's been doing very well in his race. And I, I've contrasted him, Mike, with uh, Eric Paulson, who seems overly cautious and willing to run the same race, even though three national political ratings organizations, as it were, the ones that say, oh, this race is a toss-up, or it leans Democrat, or it leans Republican. Three of them have moved uh, CD3 from leans Republican to toss-up. Well, in that case, the trend is not your friend. And I think it's going to be unlikely that Jason Lewis uh, loses to Angie Craig in a rematch. And and just for uh, complete transparency, and also... Uh, to brag and be disappointed all at once, I did ask if uh, the congressman, Jason Lewis, was available to call in today, and there was a miscommunication. They thought it was Sunday, and he was going to, but obviously we are speaking on a Saturday, and he's with his family too. So let's hear it for Republicans who hang out with their families, because that's great. Mike, do you think we'll, um, do, do you think Tim Pawlenty can win the general election? Oh, you know... I think I think people are kind of weary of that. And the, and another observation has been, you know, John Ke John F. Kennedy would not recognize his party. Now. That's right. That's absolutely and, right. And the whole country seems to I don't know, if, I guess has shifted left into this 
this creeping socialism. And I don't know how we sustain that when all you have to do is look at schools, poor performance, entitlements. There's just too much money being spent. It doesn't seem to have a, a good outcome. I, I don't see a good outcome with that kind of, uh, you know, program. No. Let me ask you another question, if you don't mind. I don't mean to be uh, cross-examining you. Do you think Jeff, Do you think Jeff Johnson can win in November? That name is familiar. It seems to me that there was, <laughs> okay. there was some scandal, and I apologize, Mr. Johnson, but I believe it wasn't there a, a scandal he was associated, and he made his he had his shot. Well, I'm unaware of any scandal with respect to Jeff Johnson. Maybe he asked for two scoops of ice cream like Trump at some you know dinner. No, I, I don't know what you're referring uh, to, Mike. If other listeners do, they can call in at 651-989-5855. Um, let me put it to you this way, then. Do you think any Republican can beat a Democrat for governor of Minnesota in November? Well, I give you Norm Coleman because I'm not. <laughs> he's not, <laughs> but Mike, but he's Norm not. Coleman, I, so my recollection, he actually was a Democrat before he was a Republican. That's correct. Yeah. All right. Well, we will have to see, Mike, but I, I greatly appreciate you calling into the Sue Jeffers Show and, and please continue to do so. You are listening to the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore, in for her at Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130. And TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Jeffers Radio Show. I'm John Gilmore in for a vacationing Sue. And that Yoko Ono song called Uh-Oh was for Chaz Anderson, who has something of um, a special place in her heart for New York City. Maybe in a previous life she was a New Yorker. Maybe in her next rebirth she'll be a New Yorker. But she's here in Minnesota now, so when I heard that song of Yoko Ono's, which I've known for some time, um, I thought of Chaz Anderson I was speaking about how uh, Republicans need to figure out what they're about and try to have a competitive Senate race. And, and so far, I haven't seen any evidence that that will materialize either against Tina Smith or uh, Senator for Life Amy Klobuchar. Mike called in and talked about the brand with respect uh, to Republicans nationally and made the point that it really wasn't good for much. And I agree. Um, there are still quite a few elements in the Republican Party that are in opposition to Trump. They are the problem. They don't particularly care about making the country better, using this opportunity to improve things that have gone begging and are in a state of disrepair and decay and um whether it's from infrastructure to the people that we're losing through opioid and other addictions um, to immigration and uh, mass migration designed to demographically change the population of the country so that they are less educated, less skilled, more pliant, and will vote Democrat. That's exactly what's going on. Uh, and if you're not 
careful in how you address some of these issues. You make yourself an easy target for the left to call you a bigot, a racist, a hater, or intolerant. Everything they call you, ladies and gentlemen, is projection. They are that. Uh, and if you look at Joy Reid, the MSNBC show, um, African-American woman, um, something of a icon brand on the left of sorts. Um, she had a blog from a decade ago, maybe 12 years. And, of course, she wrote things, uh, you know, mocking, I don't know, gay people. There were some Muslim comments there, maybe fat people. Oh, and she also said that uh, she thought Donald Trump was just flat-out funny and, and hilarious in a good way. And so the hypocrisy has come into full swing. Uh, she's made some sort of abject uh, apology, like, you know, I've evolved. And they let those people get away with it because they're allies in, in their culture war. They're allies in advancing the cultural Marxist agenda. They never let anybody on the right who screws up, and we all screw up. Or sometimes, a decade ago, you thought X and now you think Y. And maybe you expressed yourself inelegantly or even with crude language or obscene language. Big deal. Um, but there's no such slack shown to those on the right. And it's always interesting to me to look at Republicans who want to be liked by the left. Why is that? Why, why do you want to be liked by, by the left? Why isn't the approval and the success and the efforts in, in, in advancing a, a center-right program uh, of policy prescriptions for the country, why isn't that enough? What, what is lacking that only approval from people who would like to see fewer of you in office? What, what, what is lacking that that fills the void? I, I'm thinking of, of along this line of, of thought, ladies and gentlemen, because last night I went to Minroast, uh, if you don't know of MinPost.com, it's a very liberal online platform, um, basically started by a lot of Star Tribune people who were aging out, uh, but good for them. They started something else. Joel Kramer is the publisher. And every year for, I think now about a decade, they have a Min Roast, and it was at the State Theater in downtown Minneapolis, and downtown Minneapolis is a dump. I know there are many beautiful parts of Minneapolis. I'm just talking about the downtown. Ugh. There's no reason to, to go there. It's, it's not warm. It's not inviting. It's not friendly. It, it's ugly. It's, it's a mishmash. It, it doesn't hang together at all. It, it says, you know, go to your event and get the hell out of there as soon as you can. Unlike downtown St. Paul, which makes you want to linger. And it's safe. St. Paul, downtown St. Paul is safe. Uh, relatively speaking, and certainly it is compared to Minneapolis, which is becoming Minnesota-San Francisco with increasingly liberal uh, mayors and city council members being elected. But at, at Minroast, there, it's, it's like a vaudeville or a review-style show. There were two acts. The first uh, act was much longer than the second act. Um, the theater is gorgeous. There's overpriced wine and beer. And journalists go, and some politicians go, and it's a 95% leftist, you know, self-congratulatory type of thing. But I went because Alpha News, at my insistence and urging, thank you, Alex, bought a ticket for me. 
and I was behind enemy lines. Uh, I saw a few people there. It was kind of fun. I saw Zach Freimark from Tom Emmer's office and uh, Mary Amlaw from Liberty Tea Party Patriots. I'll be speaking to her group in June. I'm really looking forward to that. I saw Matthew Pagano, the scamp, uh, who recently, until recently, was the executive director of the Republican Party of Minnesota and uh, maybe a couple other people I'm forgetting. So that was that was fun. We were kind of behind enemy lines, and we knew it. And I don't understand um, Republicans who performed there. Tom Emmer did. Uh, Speaker Kurt Doubt did. And former, majority, former Senate Majority Leader um, Amy Koch from a few years back was slated to attend as well, but she didn't make it. I believe she was in D.C. Um, I kind of understand it. I mean, you know, this is probably nitpicking, but those people don't want Tom Emmer in Congress. They don't want a Republican Speaker of the House. And I never see, let's say, Keith Ellison at some conservative confab making fun of, I don't know, his belief, his supporters, or that sort of thing, uh, or even himself. Uh, liberals tend not to have much of a sense of humor. You've probably noticed this on your own. So it, it, it was very interesting, um, and I, I don't know if it gets us very much uh, to participate in them, because the cost seems to be uh, self-abnegation, and, and they'll, they'll applaud you making fun of you and yours. Really? I, I, I'm not sure what the calculus is. Uh, that would make a Republican want to do that. But I attended. I'll have a column tomorrow at alphanewsmn.com, and my Sunday column will be about what I saw at Minroast 2018. It was quite something. Unfortunately, I couldn't stay for the entire event, and so I missed uh, St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter doing his gig, doing his skit. And a friend of mine was there and called me, late about 11:45, and said i missed it and i screwed up uh i only had so much bandwidth uh, doing this show having a column what have you and apparently he was superb and before the four o'clock hour started i was visited in studio by jamar nelson which was great to finally meet jamar nice guy uh, and i was talking to him about how well saint paul mayor melvin carter had done and uh hopefully they'll release uh, a portion of that they they have a practice after min roast in the next week or two to put on minpost.com different video segments sometimes they're three or four minutes sometimes they're they're less um and we'll have to wait for that but apparently i i screwed up by not staying for melvin carter but he did like my tweet i was tweeting uh with the hashtag min roast and all i tweeted was done exclamation point and then an asterisk flees to St. Paul. So the mayor of St. Paul was grateful that I fled back to our city. And that concludes my wrap of Men Roast. You're listening to The Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore in for Sue at Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.
Jeffer Show. I'm John Gilmore in for Sue. We have an all Yoko Ono bumper music rotation today, much to the mystery of listeners and my producer, Stan. But here we are. It hasn't been so bad, has it, Stan? It hasn't. It's always nice to hear something a little bit different. It's different than you think of her shrieking nonsense, right? That's all I'm trying to say is that there's this whole other side or several I sides to I can't say her. I've ever listened to any of her music before. Would you so. like me to do an imitation of her shrieking? No, that okay. is quite all right. I don't need any shrieking. <laughs> You're a disappointment, Stan. I'm kind of you kind of crushed my I'm spirit. Si- There's a reason I'm single, John. Okay, well, I wasn't we'll trying. Leave it at that. <laughs> I wasn't trying to woo you with a shrieking Yoko Ono song, but may, I don't, maybe it is a mating call. She's never told us. Who knows? You know, it's nuts. Anyway, there's been so much in the news to talk about, and uh, Sue's show last week was just superior. It's always good her shows, but she was just so on it last week. It was really fun to listen to and following that is always a tough act um but there were a couple of things that i wanted to touch on in in the last quarter of an hour with you minnesota you knuckleheads i hope you're enjoying the day so if you listen to this on uh, a podcast i hope you're able to get out and about uh there's a couple of other things going on we've talked about the senate race i hope that turns around uh we'll see who we come up with for our republican nominee for governor and we have to support that individual jeff johnson tim polenti those really the only two names that i think are in serious contention uh, the future of Minnesota is in the balance, and I don't think we can afford to let our differences uh, keep us from being unified. And maybe it's an odd thing coming from me, uh, who's been critical of whether the base wants Governor Plenty. But I'm happy to be proven wrong at any time, at about or on about almost anything. If you worry about being wrong... You'll never take any chances. You will never think for yourself. You'll you'll never try to approach things uh, in a new and different way that can sometimes lead to much better results than the stale, tired uh, trenches of our mind. Um, and so whoever is the nominee is the person that we have to support. I remember in December of 2016, I went to Pete Hegseth's Christmas party. And it was great because we had won and half the people there were never Trumpers, but whatever and i remember i ran into kevin poindexter he's in uh, minnesota now working on behalf of the rnc and doing very good work thank you kevin and and we were talking about how we'd come across people still arguing in 2016 over the 2010 endorsement battle between marty cypher and tom emmer i mean for the love of god people uh and and we were marveling about how those divisions can't get healed up six years later it's nonsense and then lonnie leitner swung by he works with american majority he also works for david horowitz uh with his uh, freedom center and does great work he swung by figured out what we were talking about and he said i i've got one better he had uh fled some conversation where people were arguing about brian sullivan and tim palenti and that endorsement battle so you know minnesota republicans get it together uh, if your guy or gal doesn't get the nod, then support the person who did. And if they are fortunate enough to get into office, then try to keep them as conservative as you want or try to keep them um, straight on some issue or issues that are important to you. That's how you do it. That's how it works. And no one's going to please everyone all the time. And so we have to have a rough compromise we have to have a rough balancing out of the accounts but it is uh i I think the state of minnesota is in the balance in november and there is no alternative to a republican governor 
no matter who emerges in August. So I'm sounding the the bell for unity before June and before August. I think we should have a sort of psychological buy-in in that regard, a buy-in that says we're going to get it together and keep it together. Because if a Democrat gets into office after eight years of Mark Dayton, and we as Republicans haven't won a single statewide race in a dozen years, that's pathetic. <laughs> that's pathetic. It's It's weird, though, because, I don't know, I know almost everyone in the establishment. Yes, it exists. Don't mock that term. Not to me. Eh, they're okay. They're sitting just fine, you know, wherever they are. But we can't win a statewide race. Are we a statewide party? I'd argue no. After a dozen years, I think the proverbial jury is in. So this has to be different. We have to wake up and stay woke and, and prevail in November. I don't think it's axiomatic uh, that Governor Dayton, who was at Minerals last night, by the way, uh, as I write tomorrow, he slurred his words less than usual last night. Um, it's not axiomatic that a DFLer has to follow Mark Dayton to the governor's mansion on Summit Avenue. It's up to us. And so, you know, if if you want to think it's overly naive of me or simplistic, that's fine. Uh, but the stakes are very high. And I don't think it's a tough call. Any Republican is better than any Democrat when it comes to November. And we have to think like that, and we have to win. And after the August primary, we'll all be shooting outside the tent. Primaries are for, you know, airing divisions. The Democrats are going through the same thing, too. And I know the fear is a divisive primary will deflate the base. Uh, I've written as much. Um, but now I don't know if that's necessarily true. It depends on how the primary is waged. It depends on uh, the grace and, uh, I don't know, political acumen of the one who is vanquished with respect toward the victor. You know, they should take the lead, and there should be some sort of mutual outreach between the two candidates, no matter the particular outcome, Johnson or Plenty. We have to win the governorship, okay? So if we can just stay on that simple message and... I'll be doing what I can to remind people of that because I think the consequences couldn't be greater for Minnesota. It's going to be a cold California if we have four or eight more years of a Democrat governor after eight years of Governor Mark Dayton. And hanging on you know, by the skin of our teeth in two years to the Senate isn't going to be enough. We have a comfortable majority in the House. I don't understand when Republicans have a majority in the legislature why they don't govern accordingly. Yes, I know, the art of a compromise, but still we've ended up with a 10% increase in state government. Meanwhile, I get fundraising letters from these chuckleheads in both chambers saying, please contribute so that we can you know, shrink government. Well, okay, if you would do something when you have the power, the disconnect would be substantially less when I get these fundraising pleas. Um, I guess they think we're stupid. Anyway, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on President Trump, who had an amazing week. He had uh, French President Emmanuel Macron and his wife uh, Bridget to the White House for a state dinner. Um, Melania, good heavens, what, what is there to say except just uh, what an amazing and wonderful first lady. Perfect in every regard. Um, yesterday, he hosted uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel. That seemed to be 
as you might think, uh, businesslike and, and productive. I do think he is proving all of his critics wrong with respect to how he appears on the world stage, how he behaves, how he understands alliances, how he understands the nature of interpersonal relationships, uh, and builds on those. And, of course, the biggest news this week was uh, North Korean President Kim Jong-un uh, crossing the uh, line of demarcation at the DMZ to greet South Korean President Moon, and then Moon hopped back on the north side, so everyone was happy. It looks like serious, substantial, real, and lasting progress is going to be uh, possible in the Korean Peninsula. Uh, the armistice of the Korean War was signed, I believe, in 1953, but hostilities have never been ended formally outright. It's remarkable. Um, what did Faulkner say? The, the, the past isn't dead. No, the past isn't over. It's not even dead. Something like that. So, uh, especially on key issues like these in specific geopolitical areas of the world, a leader like Trump is essential. And he has shown strength. And we're seeing the, the dividends. I anticipate he's going to move on to Iran and get out of the uh, disastrous Iranian nuclear deal. That will be interesting um, as well. The House Intelligence Committee, ladies and gentlemen, issued its final report about the, the 2016 election. Russia, collusion, Putin, the whole Megillah. Guess what? No there there. There was never a there. There wasn't even a place to, to point to to call there. It was completely manufactured. Uh, Hillary Clinton, the DNC, Fusion GPS, Michael Steele, I could give you a, a litany of names. Uh, all that matters is there was a soft, silent coup with a weaponized intelligence community and the Department of Justice designed to delegitimate and force out of office a duly elected president, and it failed. It was a soft coup, and it failed. It's the most remarkable thing. I don't care how old you live to. It's the most remarkable thing we'll ever see. And we're not done yet, but we're getting large chunks of information, large uh, points of uh, information being you know, aggregated and solidified, uh, building blocks, as it were, to explain the true narrative of what went on. And there's more to come, surely, with the Inspector General's report uh, that's being eagerly awaited. Uh, apparently, that's going to come out in May. So the... The um, shenanigans, the cabal, and the attempt at a coup. More information about that is, is going to be coming out in the next weeks and months. The White House Correspondents' Dinner is tonight. I don't know how many of you are going. Maybe you'll hang on their every word if it's broad live, if it's uh, broadcast live on CNN or something. Uh, but the emperor is not going to attend for the second year in a row. He is going to Michigan for a rally. And so he will be engaging in counter-programming, as they say in the business. And speaking of the business, um, media bias is pervasive, and Alpha News has a weekly media bias contest. You can win a $50 Visa gift card. If you go to Alpha News, there's a banner ad at the top of every page. Click on that. Tells you how to fill out the form, how to submit the story, why you think it's biased or the particular angle, and you are good to go. 
Well, Stan, thank you for your help today. It's been a pleasure working with you as always, Sue. Thank you for the privilege of uh, the care and custody of your audience for two hours this beautiful day. It's the Sue Jeffers Show. I'm John Gilmore, in for Sue. And you've been listening to it on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, and com. To help me out of here, mm-hmm, waiting for a boat to help me out. The boat that reached my shore was a toy boat, mm-hmm, waiting for a boat to help me out. I'm dreaming of a lake I've never seen before. See the lake of singers was a picture lake. Mm-hmm. Dreaming of a lake I've never seen.